Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by thelines.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined by my guy Nate Weitzer on the East Coast. And we've got a Tuesday night slate here, seven games to choose from. In this one, we're talking about why my New York Knicks, who continue to backslide, uh, are taking on the Cavs in New York. So we'll talk about that one. Got another game where we're talking about the Lakers and Clippers in L.A. and our player props. So make sure to like and subscribe to that page. Continue to follow along with us. Also want you to head to thelines.com. You can check out all of our great written content up there and use our odds finder tool as well, where we go ahead and give you all those odds available to you so you can choose and get the best juice back on all these bets you're making in the NBA this season. Nate, let's go ahead and get into this seven-game slate and then talk Cavs and Knicks. Bulls coming off a uh, low-scoring win against the Hawks are minus two at, pay- at the Pacers. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton still out. The Celtics coming off a loss in Orlando are plus three in Miami. We might see Marcus Smart and Malcolm Brogdon, though, after they sat last night. This game, the Cavs are minus three and a half now. Total is at 220 and a half, even though it opened at 225. The Nuggets minus one at Pelicans. Jokic is questionable. Zion out. Uh, a couple other guys are questionable for the Nuggets as well. Wizards plus seven at Mavs. No Porzingis, no Christian Wood on the other side. Hornets plus seven at the Suns. And then the other game we break down, Clips are minus five against the Lakers. And the total is at 230. Been bet down a little bit, but not enough in our opinion. So this total, you're, you're telling me it opened at 225, huh? Uh, and and people are betting it down aggressively enough that it got to 219. Seems too low to me. I know the Cavs are the number one defense in terms of points allowed, and they play at the slowest pace over the entire season. Uh, but lately, they've they've switched it up a little bit. I mean, 95 pace is still slow, but uh, 117 offensive rating in January and a 115 defensive rating, despite having Jared Allen and Mobley in there. And their offense can be stuck in the weeds a little bit, but Mobley uh, coming off a career high, I believe 38 against the Bucks, started to find no free throws, no free throws. And, uh, yeah. Isaac Okoro starting to show some signs on offense. And now they, they get Donovan Mitchell back after he missed three games here. And of course I know their offensive rating is slightly higher with him, uh, that, but I, I mean, of course they're going to be better offensively with him. And I, I think we're both looking for good things from Donnie on extra rest here. He's been out since uh, about 10 days um, as he goes up against the Knicks who are coincidentally giving up the sixth most points per game to shooting guards in the last week. Uh, Knicks struggling overall during this four game losing streak with a 130 defensive rating. So even though they've been playing slowly, uh, they're getting killed in the half court. And with Jalen Brunson not at the controls, they're still killing with a 121 offensive rating. So they've gone over in three of their last four. Um, I, I know, yeah, you, you're taking a Jalen Brunson under in props. I, 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 I do not agree. Um, I, I think he is the man. He had 38 uh, against Washington lately. Anyway, um, we're talking Cavs here, and the, not only has Donnie been off for 10 days, but the team has been off for two-plus days. And there's a notable split here in terms of them having their best shooting splits from deep on two days rest uh, in terms of the opponent having their best shooting splits, hitting 13 threes at 41%, the opponent getting the most assists per game in that situation. Uh, and they're actually 4-3 and three to the over in that spot games averaging 223 so i am not saying this is a smash spot for the over at all i just think you're getting a little bit of value since how far it's been bet down that i think we can get over 220 i do think this will be a close game and that if it comes down to it 
you know, when you're within five points or so, you get that free throw game that might help you get over rather than it it being a wide enough margin that it just kind of coasts to a stop. Um, And the Knicks are going over at home by four points per game, 14 and 10 record to the over. But I I know you don't trust the Knicks as home dogs. You shouldn't. They're one and five straight up. uh, And they're seven and 14 against teams with winning records. This is their MO. They just, they don't beat the top teams in the East, but they handle business against, against the poor teams. And I think the Cavs with Donnie Mitchell back, there's no doubt they're a top team, uh, despite their, their struggles on the road at times. Yeah, I don't trust them. Um, this is a, like, I don't know. This feels like a Tibbs thing, man. Ever since Tibbs got here, we'll, it's like seven game win streak, six game lose streak, four game win streak, three game lose streak. Like, why can't we just put together like, you know, three game win streak, three out of four, three out of four, just went three out of four, three out of four, two out of four. Like it's, it's all like sliding backsliding and then, you know, going up. But like right now they're just in a clear backslide. And I I mean, it seems slightly correlated to Mitchell Robinson going out. Uh, He left in the middle of, you know, the game three games ago. And, and they also got, you know, hemorrhaged points the game before that as well, four games ago. So really you look at the four game sample size, three of those games without Mitchell Robinson, essentially. And that's that 130, 30 defensive rating that you're talking about and and the way that they're giving up points. I mean, it's crazy because like I'm looking at other stats of other guys and, uh, you know, guys that are playing against the Knicks and, and, and teams that are, have been playing against the Knicks and the way that they're getting stifled. The Knicks are out rebounding them. They're getting more second chance points. They're limiting second chance points. And now that is all a thing of the past because Isaiah Hartenstein is just kind of getting eaten alive uh, down low when he even gets on the floor. So, um, you know, I, I don't know what to make of that. But like I said, if you're, you know, it's really, well, let me be very clear. It was the Raptors. You have to play the Raptors twice, and this team does not match up well against the Raptors because the Raptors don't have a center, uh, and they're not really trying to play that way. And so, you know, they we had an advantage, we being the Knicks, they had an advantage uh, down low with Mitchell Robinson and Julius Randle, and, and then, you know, that really sort of went out the door. Um, and it, they had an advantage even against the Cavs. When you look at the way that this team, they played the, the, the two games this season, uh, the Knicks in, in the first matchup had 64 points in the paint. Cleveland had 32, but Cleveland was 23 of 50 from deep um, and the Knicks over the last you know four games that they've been hemorrhaging points have allowed the seventh most three-pointers made unsurprisingly um, the game before that it was you know December 4th so just maybe a couple months ago now um, and it was still a 99 pace right like these teams are not getting over a 99 pace together in the last you know uh, seven games as well they're both at like a 94 95 pace each um, you know but in that in that first one or excuse me the second game they played a month ago same concept where the Knicks you know they won that one by 11 but that was only because the, the Cavs went eight for 35 from deep, Sleepy uh, but the Knicks still dominated. There. Was, uh, yeah. 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 Sunday basketball, weird, ugly stuff. Guys not wanting to be there and hung, and being hung over maybe, you know, in New York um, after going out on Broadway, whatever they're doing. 17 second chance points for the Knicks, 56 points in the paint, just dominating all over the place. And they still, you know, they won that game by 11, but it was the same concept in the first one that they lost by 13. My point is they're not even going to have that advantage necessarily this game. Um, you're going to have both Jared Allen and Evan Mobley as they, uh, you know, been both been back for a while now playing together. Um, and, and that's what you can expect from the Cavs, not giving up, uh, you know, a ton of rebounds, not giving up those second chance points. And that as a result, you know, the Knicks, I don't know, maybe they're going to have to shoot a bunch more threes and we'll see if they're able to do that. Obviously, like you said, that 121 rating uh, offensive rating over their last four has been helpful because you've seen a few more minutes for for, you know, 
smaller guys. You've even seen Evan Fournier get back in there a few times um, and at least provide some 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 three point shooting. And that's what they're going to need. So I, I guess my thing, too, is, is like I don't really want to touch this total. I just really trust the Cavs in this situation a bit more, especially because when a push comes to shove, I trust Donnie to, to do a lot more in this one than I do Jalen Brunson, who's my guy and my favorite Nick of all time, despite being only like tenured for the team for like 50 games. But my point is, is like in this one, you know, for him, it's a bad matchup. You know, it, it, it's it's something that it's basically since he's been on the Knicks in, in the two games, you know, he's struggled mightily. But even when he was on Dallas, um, you know, dating back to like four games ago, 15 points a game and four assists. And that's all in 32 minutes. Um, still getting around a 23% usage rate. So he's putting up shots. He's just he's not making them. Uh, and he, he's not he hasn't really been making them as of late. I know he had a, a nice game against the Wizards um, and he's had a few, you know, 25 point games in there. But I think his props are a little bit high tonight. And I think you can correlate the fact that he might struggle a bit with the fact that, you know, Julius Randle also struggled mightily the last couple times that he's played the Cavs, unsurprisingly, with the way they play down low on defense. I don't think they're going to get much uh, in terms of what they're used to getting. And if they're not, you know, raining threes in sort of a random three times a season fashion that the Knicks do where they have those random games. Like I said, like ha half a dozen max during the season where they hit like 15, 16 threes. Um, if they're not getting up there, then I don't think I, I, they're going to come along for any kind of ride to get this game up to a nice total or be able to, you know, cover three and a half points. Yeah. I mean, these are two teams that are built on protecting the paint and you said Mitchell Robinson out, the Knicks don't have their paint protector. So that's obviously huge advantage for the Cavs who have both their guys in Allen Mobley and, if Mobley's not going to be a liability on offense, yeah, that that's why I like the over a little bit, but that's also why you like the Cavs. Yeah, that yeah. Sunday game in December, such an anomaly. Both teams shot 20% yeah. from deep uh, is just the ugliest game. Both teams had a wor more turnovers and assists. And, uh, I mean, I don't think it gets any uglier than that. And I think that's why we saw such aggressive action on the under when people just looked at the recent results and were like, oh, these teams are going to be an absolute slugfest. But you got to look at how the Knicks have been playing lately, uh, how efficient they've been in the half court, and, and how much they've struggled without Robinson. Yeah, so uh, I, I do like the over. Um, I, I think it's going to be a close one and an exciting game at MSG. That's why I like Donnie Mitchell. And if it does happen to go overtime, the Cavs are 6-0 and in overtime this year. So trust them there. Yeah, and if, if this one's out of control a bit late, you might see the Knicks start resting guys. Uh, I mean, I know that's not the, necessarily the Tibbs way, but you've got Celtics, Nets, uh, Lakers, Heat, Clippers coming up in your next like six games. There's not an easy game in there, especially the way Nick Claxton has been playing, by the way. Shout out the Nets. And then Clips open at minus 3.5. It's now minus 5. Total open at 233, it's now 230. Uh, and those are, I, I think I agree with the public on both of those bets um, in terms of clips to win and this game to go under. I mean, we've been talking for a while about the Lakers slowing it down and going under. And, and they snuck under the under. I mean, the last one was pretty far under the under, actually, against Portland. But they snuck under against Memphis. Under in six of their last seven. The exception is Houston. And, and that's just an anomaly. Um, their, their pace was at 96 in four games before this Memphis ridiculousness, which included 41 free throw attempts for the Lakers, 41 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, and I just don't think that'll be the case against these, these two teams, the Lakers and Clippers are ninth and 11th in fourth quarter points allowed the last, uh, week here. And, uh, I mean, they've defended each other very well, actually. The, the Clips, of course, we know have won nine straight. You just look at the last four here. 
Uh, three of the four have gone under. The, the Lakers have just a 103 offensive rating, scoring just 103 per game. Uh, the pace pretty slow. The Clips slightly better at 113 points per game because they hit threes and the Lakers cannot. I mean, that is the biggest discrepancy here. The Lakers are one of the worst three-point shooting teams out there, and I don't really see that correcting here. Um, and, and the only reason they were even close to their their totals here the last couple games, Josh, is because of absurd second halves, right? I mean, the huge run against Portland, the, um, the explosion in the fourth against Memphis, they're scoring 68 in the second half over their last three here. Uh, but you're going up against the Clippers and Tyron Lue, who's not the type of coach to just to get worse defensively as the game goes along. In fact, much, much better is what the Clippers usually get. Um, and, and he seems to have a little bit of a, of a recipe for defending LeBron. I mean, it helps that you have great uh, individual defenders in, in Kawhi and PG. Kawhi barely has played against the Lakers, but you go back before his injury, LeBron is getting 21 points per game with rough shooting splits, a 103 offensive rating in his last six against Kawhi. We all remember the famous meme in the finals uh, a decade ago, right, where he sees Kawhi come back on the floor and just mouse. Uh, and is and just and with just mostly just PG and no Kawhi, still only a 106 rating for LeBron. We know he's carrying the Lakers' offense, and if he's not get scoring down low. Um, the Lakers are, are probably going to be struggling to score here. And and on the other side, I mean, you do like the Clippers because the Lakers give up a, a, a ton of pain points. Um, but, and, and they should have the rebounding advantage as well. Lakers have been awful on the boards lately. But you don't expect the Clippers to, to really win high-scoring games. We've talked a lot about their home road splits. They score just 106 at home, uh, just a 110 offensive rating. And they've gone under in 16 of their last 19 at home. That's pretty much the entire season. Uh, the, the overs again against Houston, which did not even get to this total. And an over against Charlotte with a 106 pace. So as long as the pace is is where it usually is, where the Clippers like to dictate it, I think when Kawhi's healthy, they like to slow it down and let him operate in the half court. Uh, it was just a 94 pace. In, in their previous six home games before that, or, or around that Charlotte game, um, then I don't think we get to 230 here. Uh, I know it's been bet down a little bit and might continue to get bet down, in which case I think you you might want a teaser or you can go to FanDuel where, um, you know, it freezes the line at 231 with the money line and then the odds might just adjust a little bit. But otherwise, I think you're still getting plus 160 for Clippers to win with the under. Yeah, I think for this game, I'm just sticking with that. Uh, well, I mean, I really do actually like the clips a bit in this one. I think it's it's a good moment for them. And no matter what you do, you're still the little brother uh, and the away team inside your own arena when you play the Lakers. Um, so, you know, I think there's there's at least motivation for them and, and Kawhi and PG uh, when they're playing together here. Yeah, then I think that, you know, you, you can expect... Um, them to take advantage of those moments, right? Like knowing that they're probably going to sit Kawhi another like 10 times before this season is out, whether he's injured or not, um, if it's a back-to-back -back or otherwise. So, uh, you know, the matchup itself, though, I, I do like the under, and, and that's kind of my preferred bet on this one, and, and the thing I will actually probably lay some money down on here, because 
one, I mean, look at the way that they've been playing each other already this season. Uh, and two, yeah, it's everything that kind of starts with the Lakers. I mean, the Clippers are going to clip. They're going to play at, you know, a bottom five pace in the league. They're going to do their best to lock you up uh, all over the wing. And then, you know, from there, it's just a matter of getting defensive rebounds uh, because they do limit points in the paint to a to pretty decent amount, especially over the last few weeks or so. Uh, they've been in the top five in terms of limiting points in the paint. And that's where the Lakers are scoring all season. So if you just if you get back against the Lakers, um, and and you don't and you force them to set up a half court offense uh, that you know is stagnant at times, mostly because there's no three point shooting. Then you go ahead and get that total because the, their efficiency in the fast break is really good, um, and their efficiency in the half court is really bad. So it's not surprising that they often play at this 104 pace. But they're down to like you said. I mean, even in their last seven games or so, where what six of them have gone under, um, you know, their pace is still at it's 100. So if they were the Clippers, we'd be saying they're playing all the way at 100 but they're the Lakers so we're saying they're playing all the way down at 100 um, and at, with that lack of pace comes you know a lot more half court offense um, there's no second chance points uh, the points in the paint really come from LeBron and, Re- and Russ driving um, and, and prefer- pre- preferably driving in transition as we know um, and, and so you know where's the offense coming from besides that the second chance points have actually been a little bit better for them uh, over the last couple of weeks because Wenyan Gabriel uh, has come in and actually been a pretty nice uh, you know, offensive rim attacker, if you will, uh, a la sort of like a, you know, rim runner to a degree, but got a lot of strength as well. And then, you know, Thomas Bryant, when he's, when he's actually out there, uh, has, has been really good for them as well. Slowed down a bit, but the point is on those second chance points, um, you know, for, for the clips, that's also something else that they, you know, that, that they, they limit really well. Um, and like I said, they do gobble up defensive rebounds at a super high rate. So that, that's why they're able to keep teams from, from, uh, you know, getting up, getting up on those, uh, second chance points. So yeah, I think overall the, the way that, this matchup works out and, and what we've seen from these teams, even when they played, you know, keeping it to below like 115 or 215 totals each time, uh, mostly because of that slow pace. And, and obviously it's in the same arena every time. So we don't have to talk about splits of any kind in terms of home road. Uh, and I think we know what we're going to get in this building. And, and the one time that you've seen sort of an offensive explosion uh, between these two teams, which was roughly like three matchups ago last season, uh, that was just, you know, the Lakers were a, a different team entirely. Like Dwight Howard was starting in that game. So, um, you know, that that was a different time for, for them. And, and I think at this point, what we know about what they've been playing like in the last two weeks is what we should expect now they're this they're that team uh and and i think 230 is way too high and everyone's been on that with us and i think you can get this down to like 228 before i start feeling uncomfortable about an under on it yeah i mean they're the clippers are a completely different team there's no paul george or Kawhi in that game um Kawhi's missed the last four matchups where they've still won And, and while we've said you know he's not the same kind of defender as he was in his prime at this point. Uh, I mean, he can still ramp it up and, and the Clippers are starting to ramp it up. I like that you were like, this is a good moment for them. I, I mean, they are starting to at least respond to some of the noise that look or, or just internally be like, look, we got to start trying here. Yeah. We've lost like 10 of 11 and we're going to fall into the play in. Um, and this is a good opportunity to get three straight wins. This is normal rest and a day off tomorrow versus then they host the Spurs, which is an easier one. The Lakers front end of a back-to-back, they have to host the Spurs tomorrow. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it is a spot where the, the Lakers, of course, want to snap this losing streak to the Clippers, but they just don't have the same depth of personnel, um, especially when you have those t- those two guys at the top opening everything up. And again, going back to the way that the, the, the Clippers can close here to keep us under the total, they just held Dallas to 19 points in the fourth quarter. They held Luka under 50% shooting. Uh, Luca, I think, you know, 
right up there with LeBron in terms of tough guy to guard and tough guy who just does everything for the opposing offense. And to be able to, to execute a good game plan against right. him, I think, is, is very indicative of what Tyron Lue and company will be able to do to slow down LeBron um, and keep the Lakers from going on another one of these absurd runs. And, uh, yeah, 91 pace is the is what the Lake, the Clippers' previous four have been. Granted that one of those against Dallas who are happy to slow it down. But like I said, the Lakers have been slowing it down. They're at 99 in, in, in term, or 96 in their last four home games, like I said, before that Memphis game. Yeah, and that's how they're going to play with, with Paul George and Kawhi. They know that they can score um, you know, pr- pretty easily in the half court with those two guys playing at the same time. Um, and the fact that there's always one of them on the court, the way they stagger their minutes, also means you're not going to get um, you know, necessarily a, a break in the style of play. When, when Kawhi's out there, it's a little bit slower. Uh, sometimes PG does tend to get you know, the defensive rebound and go, but uh, this is another example of, of what, you know, a matchup that leads to an under uh, in terms of you know, opponent fast break points. The Lakers do a super good job of getting back as well. Second fewest uh, allowed in the last uh, seven games that they've played and you know not that the uh, we're expecting too many fast break points coming from those clips but I'm just saying that also helps you keep it slower the way that the Lakers have been getting back so yeah under 232 was a good start to this one when it opened I think 230 is still a good spot to get it so hopefully you can find some good value by the time you're seeing this you're listening to the lines.com podcast network looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sports books all in one place then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Nate, let's go ahead and jump into your first NBA play-up prop for tonight, Mr. Donnie Mitchell. Back after a three-game layoff, yeah, he's probable. And his prop is up at 25.5 points, uh, similar to taking Giannis last night where his prop, in, after taking all this time off, his prop comes back about three or four points lower. And, it, you know, it's just it's a long season. Guys sometimes just need some rest. It doesn't mean they're going to come back performing Poorly, but like like Giannis, he had a couple quiet games in his last two before he had to sit because uh, he's dealing with that. I mean, also, 22 points in a blowout win over Phoenix. That was the last time he got at least two days off. Um, the time before that, Josh, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with this line, 71 points and 11 assists after two days heard off heard against it. Chicago. Yeah, uh, not saying he's going to go clean off, but he does average 32 and seven assists in his last four against the Knicks on very good shooting splits with – 34% usage, went for 38 and 12 in his debut with the Cavs against the Knicks. And a, a quiet game at MSG, his first one with the Cavs here. 23 points in just an absolute gross game on a Sunday afternoon. We talked about 92-81, both teams uncharacteristically just utterly terrible on offense in that game where who knows who how hungover people were. Right now, the Knicks are playing terrible Defense, though, in, in this four-game losing streak, a 131 defensive rating, no rim protection without Mitchell Robinson, and they're allowing the six most points to shooting guards in their la- in the last seven days. So 25.5 points is too low, in my opinion. I think you can tack on the assists if you want as well because Mitchell's going to be making plays all over the place against a, a struggling defense. 
Yeah, I get it. Um, definitely Donnie loves playing against New York. It's so classic Knicks. They're probably going to like get him in a deal when he's like 36 and just not good anymore in classic Knicks faction when they could have had him right now, but they didn't want to give up Quentin fucking Grimes. Anyway, Donnie Mitchell over 25 and a half is a great call against this Knicks team, and it's too low, and it's it's too low in part, like you said, because he's been out for a bit. You took advantage of Giannis with that last night, who had 20 in the first half, only played like six minutes in the second half, but still scored uh, nine points to get you over uh, that 28 and a half that you had, so really proud of you there, and I think this is another great call, and, and I'm riding with you on it, so Another great call by you as well is Mr. CJ McCollum. I'm, I'm actually, just to be honest with everyone, tailing you on that one. 24 and a half points for him tonight. Uh, minus 105 on DK. He has cooled off a little bit after he had, you know, some, some pretty big performances in his previous five games. But there's still no Zion, still no BI. Um, and without, you know, Zion, his, his usage goes up from 25 to 31%. So we are relying on him coming up there. His points per game go up from 19 to 23 uh, when Zion's not in this season. So, I, you know, there's still plenty to like. Um, in his last five, though, he's also been, uh, you know, feeding Joval. Uh, he's been playing against Detroit, Cleveland, and Miami twice in those games. So he's had 23, 5, and 7, uh, you know, last time he played against Orlando. But still, it's that usage rate we're talking about, you know, in, in this last five, 30%, 35 minutes per game, and 38, 32% split. So he just needs to shoot better a little bit, obviously. But if the usage is there, you can feel a little bit better about him coming out of that. Um, Denver, you know, they're back at home. Or they're on, Denver's going to be on the road so you know New Orleans back at home where uh, Denver on the road the 28th opponent effective field goal percentage they are much better at uh, defense and pretty much everything at home this season as seems to be the case with most teams um, and when CJ's at home we're looking at about 22 a game six and a half assists Splits get back up to 44% from the field, but 44% from three as well, which is really what you hope for him is that if he's hitting, you know, three, two, three threes to add to that mid range game, um, you can feel pretty good about him. And I, I don't think there's anyone that's really going to necessarily uh, be able to lock him up as a solid matchup. He'll probably see a bunch of uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope if he starts going off on guys like Jamal Murray's, but uh, I still think he's able to get his points tonight at, at 25. Yeah, the key is the Pels are back home four of the last five on the road in some really tough matchups, which is why, you know, if we're going to do the uh, mutual pat on the back thing, I loved your Wendell Carter pick last night, which smashed almost a double-double at halftime. Uh, it's the same idea. You know, he had a rough three games. CJ's had a rough five games for sure. His splits have been way down. I'm looking mostly at the matchups, though, and the road home road splits. And coming home against Denver, I think if Jokic plays tonight – 231, I think we're going over that. And CJ just has a monster usage. He's going to have to carry the Pels uh, with no Zion and Najee Marshall out for what that's worth. But, I mean, he's obviously the number one option right now for the Pels. Uh, going back to the well with White Wilt, Ivica Zubac, and he hit that double-double on Friday against the Spurs. We don't expect a ton of points in this Lakers-Clippers game, but I think there's still some good overs to take. I think Zubac... Gets to 11 points, uh, which is only minus 105, or you can put the two together at 20.5 points rebounds, at which point, why not just take a double-double? I mean, exactly. I guess there's a chance he only has nine boards and 12 points, but uh, that's plus 135, which is pretty good odds. Because he double-doubled in, in, in three of his last four, um, and in three straight against the Lakers, I believe, 14 points over 11 rebounds, also three blocks, playing 32 minutes per game. Anthony Davis was active in two of those. Um, so, I mean, it's obviously an easier matchup. But still, the Lakers are running out big lineups with either Thomas Bryant or Gabriel playing. And still, they're giving up the fourth most paint points at home. Um, so, should be pretty easy 
for the Clips to to feed him down low. Uh, you know, if you expect a bit of a slow start again for the Lakers defensively, Zubash tends to do a lot of his damage early when it's just yeah. kind of that that the that quick start and and you get him a few layups just to yeah. get the offense humming. Um, so I do think he gets another double double here, or at least gets you eleven points. Well, and I think the key is is like you're right about that, but he also like doesn't play down the stretch on top of that. It's a little bit of the Kendrick Perkins on the Celtics back in the day kind of thing. Like get him a touch right away. So he stays interested and then in the first quarter. And then, you know, after that, like we'll see how we need him and they're going to need him because the Lakers, as we talked about in that game video have been doing everything down low. Um, they've been slowing things down because they've been inserting Thomas Bryant and Wenyan Gabriel into the lineups way more often. And there's not as much small ball LeBron or Russ Westbrook playing the center or whatever. Um, so, you know, there's a lot more reason to have uh, Zubac out there, and I think you can expect him to be playing down the stretch those 30 minutes a game. I think you can expect him to be getting about the 32 and a half that he's been um, getting against the Lakers for that exact reason. So um, I got to finish things off in a very uh, morose fashion here. JB, my guy, Jalen Brunson, under 30 points and assists. Just hear me out. Minus 110. Or you could talk about the 33 PR under 34 points, rebounds, and assists combined. Uh, either way, um, his last four versus Cleveland, that's 15.4 points a game, Nate. Four and a half assists, three boards. That's in 32 minutes with a 32 with a 23% usage rate. If you look at the last two with the Knicks, 33 minutes a game, 27% usage, 42-28 splits, and still doesn't get you close to this, uh, this 29 and a half points and assists. Cleveland allows the third fewest points per game to point guards and the fifth fewest assists, the sixth fewest rebounds, the second fewest three-pointers made. This is a very, very good defense and a defense that Jalen has struggled against for a reason. I think there's he's going to have trouble as soon as he gets anywhere within 17 feet of the basket. Um, and obviously, you don't love the defense of Donnie Mitchell and uh, and Mr. Garland over there, uh, but I think Jalen's still going to have trouble with anyone else who, who, who he tries to get by. Uh, and it's just a high total for him tonight. Tell me why I'm wrong. I'm happy to be wrong. No, I think you made a pretty solid case. I just shake my head because we both love Jalen Brunson so, so very dearly and do not want to root for him to go under. Uh, but, I mean, the Cavs are, are an incredible defense, and they, they limit the mid-range and, and, the, and, and scoring down low, which is where he does most of his damage, um, and, unless he can get hot from deep. I, if you don't want to go that route, I know we threw out a couple of Wizards. We were actually thinking about taking the Wizards plus seven at Dallas. Uh, but those are two of the least predictable teams in the NBA in terms of betting. So we steered out of that one. But I think role players with Porzingis out, Daniel Gafford at 18.5 points rebounds could see a big role. But I, I was looking at Monty Morris, um, who's had a nice three-game run here. He's been starting, playing a lot more than DeLon Wright. Um, to get 15.5 points and assists, and he's been diamond up like seven assists in his last three, uh, you know, playing that that setup role for Brad Beal. So I would look at that one if you want to take an over on a point guard. I like the Wizards to cover seven and a half points, by the way. I'll, I'll just say that. So, yeah, I, I like the fact that you, you're you on some of these Zards as well. I think that with Brad Beal back, um, they, they've got a, a little bit of a push to make, at least to see what they can uh, what they can salvage from this roster. And Kuzma will continue his uh, national tour of Please Trade Me, so he's going to continue to play well as well. And that is all the time that we have for you guys in this one. Please make sure to like and subscribe to that page. Continue to follow along with us. And until we see you next, happy betting.